0: Hey Blenders, on this week's episode we're going to talk about Wonder Woman 1984 going to streaming. We get deeper into the mank conversation and Sean Aston joins us to discuss the Lord of the Rings trilogy on 4K.
1: As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming.
0: Hello, Blunders, and welcome, welcome to episode number 145 of Real Blend, a podcast that is co-hosted by two Lord of the Rings fans. My name is Sean O'Connell, the managing editor here at Cinema Blend, and on this week's show, Wonder Woman is going streaming, but also to theaters, and that's pretty exciting. Uh, We're going to go deeper into Mank, David Fincher's film, on this week's episode. We've talked about it before, but we're going to go into some really interesting aspects about maybe re and the fact that it's gonna be available to you guys on Netflix starting this week. And then uh, the Lord of the Rings joke is because the great Sean Astin is joining our show. And this the special part about this is that he's joining us to specifically talk about Lord of the Rings. And we kind of make a joke with him, I'm not sure if it makes it into the interview, where has like, if we got Sean Astin for other projects, we would have to, at the end of that conversation, try to sneak in a Lord of the Rings question. Um, but here, we get to just gush about all things totally geeky Lord of the Rings. And I think uh, fans of the franchise are going to find it to be really, really exciting. Almost as exciting as the fact that Jake Hamilton from Fox 32 in Chicago is here with us. Hi, Jake. Well,
5: even if you're not a Lord of the Rings fan, I I think you would enjoy the— And I don't know, Sean, did you enjoy the interview? <laughs> I did enjoy the interview,
0: yes, and and uh, and I came up with the, I thought some uh, some decent questions for Sean, and and Sean yeah. was very nice to Sean, and and uh, <laughs> it, it went well. It went it, it went very well. And Kevin McCarthy is enjoying some time off, uh, getting a little bit of rest, and so we are introducing uh, Gabe Kovac. Hi, Hi, Gabe. How are you doing?
5: Introducing? Not bad.
0: Well, for this week's episode. Yeah, for the episode. For this week's episode. I'm here. I'm always Gabe's here, here for but now us. I'm really here. Yes. guys, diving in. It's going well. This is weird. We're talking about the fact that we're rusty because <laughs> we took, last we took week a week off. off. Yeah. And uh, we're trying to figure our way through all this again. But um, bear with us. We'll get there. Starting with um, housekeeping. If you're watching us on YouTube. Uh, hello. Thank you very much. Um, head down to the... Uh, Subscribe button, hit it, hit like as well too. Turn on your notifications. Do all the things you're supposed to do on YouTube, uh, and can help us continue to grow that channel. If you are listening to us in all the places where you get your normal podcast feeds, uh, be sure to check out the video form because we do some really cool things. Especially because uh, more of these interviews that we're pulling off, Sean Aston being one of them, uh, we get to video, and so you guys get to see the reactions and of our conversations and how things sort of go that way. And sometimes with Michael Chikino, he pulls props out, which is always sort of fun too. Um, Gabe, I'm supposed oh, we to, have throw to tell something them to you?
5: about. Oh, oh! I'm sorry. No, What's what? On? Tell me about what we we, we needed. There was there's a uh, one of the benefits of the video format, specifically with this Sean Aston interview, oh, okay. is the three of us were or all of us were having a conversation um, oh. <laughs> uh, about uh, the, the the I guess the definition of what it means for a film to be independent. Yeah. And Kevin oh. kept referring to the Lord of the Rings as independent films, to which it bugged me to no end. Like, like, really bothered me that he referred to the Lord of the Rings trilogy right. as independent films. And I was like, dude, like, they're billion-dollar films, man. They're not, <laughs> yeah. they're not, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're New Line, they're Warner Brothers, they're billion-dollar films, they're right. not independent films. And there's a moment where Sean Astin casually refers to the Lord <laughs> of the Rings films as independent films. And if you have the video, uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, look at all of our faces. Because <laughs> we, it, all, we all just go like, "What Bitch, and Kevin's <laughs> face just has this like knowing. I told you, like, like yeah. so much is translated. And Sean's still talking. You know, he's still answering the question. But there is a communication between all of us in that moment. Where when when Sean refers to uh, the the films as independent, where I just thought, son of a bitch.
4: And I'll I'll <laughs> since I'm filling his role completely, I'll I'll fill in for Kevin. And uh because he and I, I was more on his side, and I understood what he was saying by independent because it's more of. The way that it's made is an independent spirit versus it, the, the nature of its the spreadsheet that put it together. You know what I mean? Like Oh
5: that, I, that's the I, idea. I am a what does it like what is the definition? Like what yeah, yeah, what, yeah. what no, is no, it? You no, know, no, you're right.
0: You're right. And even the way that Sean describes it, which we'll get to in a second, it's like he said they basically just landed in New Zealand and like rolled up to bed and breakfasts and figured they would camp out for a while and, and make these movies. You have to remember I, back I, then, I like feel nobody like really knew what these were. Gonna,
5: simplification.
0: I feel like... Just like I, just I I, I just... Warner Brothers did, didn't
5: drop 300 million dollars and they just rolled into New Zealand and started yeah. filming.
4: No, it was just Peter Jackson and a camera and a couple actors and they just worked it out. And, it and was, just a little yeah. bit of makeup, just like a, like yeah. a little bit of powder. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Alright, so... um, the, the update, the update
4: I was supposed to give, yes, oh, YouTube yeah. update. Please. Uh, for listeners, for people who like to watch the YouTube channel, it probably will not affect you that much. I know because I watch the numbers. We are no longer doing the Clips channel oh, uh, yeah. We are kind of shifting resources Away from that The regular YouTube channel The main channel is going to remain the same um, We will still upload there That's where you're going to sub uh, The <laughs> Clips that are on the other, the Clips channel um, We're not going to shut that down They'll be there but there'll be no new uploads um, Anytime we have spoilers or something like that That we clip out uh, We'll just go ahead and put it on the main channel So you only have to subscribe to one
0: R.I.P. Clip show or Clips Channel. <laughs> yeah. uh, the weekly poll for this week, we talked about December releases. And I'm excited for this reason. We're starting to get into some titles that feel like they have some weight to them. No, due res- With all due respect to the films that have been screening uh, this year prior to it. But like some films that are... Um, Flirting with theatrical release, uh, including Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four. Uh some films that I think have some Oscar potential, if and when the Oscar ceremony finally does get here, uh, in Soul and Mank and so Gabe, because you're in the chair and whenever you're here... Oh shoot, but you did the poll. Every De- time do you think I, have, I
4: out do think time. I outsource my job I think I... it's
0: so fun to include you yeah. <laughs> <I> forget <laughs> every that you've time. added the poll to the thing. Yeah, I know. I it's, can answer though, I, I look really consider. smart. If no, you I want. don't want you to answer. No, no, Jake uh your choices for which december release are you most excited for we gave you soul wonder woman 1984 and Mank, and we also gave other so of those which do you think prevailed with the blenders i'm gonna say 1984 wonder woman um just
5: because i feel like the poll came out not too long after it was announced that wonder woman was going to hbo max right
0: yeah. Oh, um, so
5: it, yeah, yeah, I felt like people were super jacked about
0: that. Yeah, 53%. And honestly, of those titles, um I mean that one just we we've been deprived of blockbuster entertainment for so long. And even the the films that have tried to somewhat replicate the experience uh for their audiences at home, it it feels like Wonder Woman 1984 finally is the film. And and, and in a way, I really am glad that Warner Brothers is is striking ahead and letting this movie come out. And and it seems working uh, in a lot of different ways to compromise with Patty, to give her an opportunity for it to be in theaters in places where it's safe for people to go to theaters and, and potentially experience it. It's weird um, because I looked recently here locally because I hadn't been paying attention to whether theaters were even open in Charlotte uh, or not. And it turns out that the AMC theater chain is open here, but the Regal is not. Uh, and I wonder what's driven the decision that one of the chains would decide to close because it's not mandated by our state. Um, but uh, yeah, everybody uh, with the poll picked Wonder Woman 1984. But with Soul, I, I, it's it's our job to sort of start beating the drum for this movie. I, I guess I kind of understand that people know it's Pixar and they'll they'll get as excited as they would for a normal Pixar film. Uh, Your varying levels of of excitement, but. Soul is phenomenal and I want more people to get really excited for it. It's coming to Disney Plus on Christmas Day. It's directed by Pete Doctor. Uh, he's made a, a number of fantastic Pixar films. Jake finally got a chance to catch up with it as well too. Um, I think if more people knew how good Soul was, it might have competed a little bit harder in this poll. Um, I know we can't review it per se, but what can you give me a reaction to, to your thoughts on it?
1: Uh,
5: uh, ugly cry, man. Ugly, ugly, <laughs> ugly cry. But <laughs> it's, it's, it's so interesting. Uh, you talk about I uh, guess just reaction not being that high. I feel like it's, it's, you know, maybe for, you know, an older guy, like I know Pixar movies are going to be good. Mm. Um, it is short of, of the Cars movies, short of like Cars 2. I know they're going to be good, but I still feel like there's a reset every time. You know, it's like, despite the fact that they have a pretty incredible, uh, you know, like uh, record, I still don't find myself getting excited. Like I, I know it's going to be amazing. I know it has a re- legitimate chance at being on my top 10 list every time one comes out. But I still like whenever I, kn- I know there's a new one next year, I'm like, oh, cool. Like, I'm excited to see it. Cool. Mm-hmm. And then I see it, I'm like, oh, well, like, why don't I get more excited about these movies beforehand? You know, I think it takes seeing it just to be reminded of how. That being said, uh,
0: how do I phrase this? Who is the audience for Soul? Uh, yeah, no, that's a tremendous question um, because it's not kids. <laughs> yeah, In the least it's not bit.
5: kids at all because it no. asks
0: some very big existential
5: questions. And, and I think the, the emotional beats are only going to hit
4: you if you have a little bit of life in you, if, you, if, you, if you've lived a couple of years. But there's still, I haven't, I haven't seen Soul, full disclosure, but it still has, I guess for a really young audience, from what I can tell from the marketing, it still has like super cute characters and Pixar kind of swagger to it.
0: There is, right? a, there's enough there to keep kids engaged 100%. I mean, it's right. still Pixar. They still know how to entertain.
4: This will be, this will be from what I'm gathering, it'll be one of those movies where people who are like 9, 10, 11 right now and love the movie for whatever they get from mm-hmm. it at 9, 10, 11 are going to watch it at like 25, 30 and go,
0: oh my God. I, I didn't realize, get
4: what it was about. <laughs> I didn't realize yeah. how much this crushes.
0: Yeah. I'll kind of say this. Um, the way that Inside Out sort of looked at the emotional components mm-hmm. of, at least Inside Out was looking at the emotional components of a kid, right? So it, it played with, like, this is how a kid would react to certain things. These are how the, the kids of the emotions would be personified. And I think kids, at least on that level, could react to, oh, sure, of course, I, I understand what this girl's going through. She's sad or she's lonely or she's angry or something. This is the emotional reactions of a, of a full-grown adult <laughs> who's yeah. at a, a very specific crossroads. And when you see it play out, you're like... you you rethink your life you rethink your life and and that's not for kids and so but but i'll be really fascinated to see how it ends up playing it's gonna be hard to christmas morning yeah ask ask an eight-year-old
5: so like what what dreams have have crushed you in your life like what did you hope to do that you weren't able to pull off because you're dead
4: so so we'll move on because i know we're gonna end up doing a full review thing but i'm curious did you guys have any expectation that that you were gonna like it nearly this much that it was going to hit you this well or had you kind of written it off in a way
0: Uh, no the only the the first thing that got me excited for it was the reaction out of BAFTA where where the Mm -hmm. um it had its premiere and the reviews were off the charts and then I was like oh okay it's gonna be really interesting and I'll even add this Jake and I don't know how you feel about it the first time through I thought it was fantastic but I even still there were a lot of things that I had to sort of process about it Mm -hmm. and I immediately went back and rewatched it again like two nights later and I Mm -hmm. thought it was that much better the second yeah. time i've seen it a third time already oh, wow. yeah because it's just it was in our screening uh log for disney plus for a couple of days and i just i, I love it i, I love yeah. it that much and so um no i didn't expect it i didn't expect to react to it yeah. that way
5: uh I, awesome. I the the trailer for me i thought was really creative. just how they just so often how pixar visually represents something um they the second act not to give too much away I, I thought I didn't like the second act until it progressed further. and then I was mm-hmm. like like I was like, oh, I don't think I like this as much. And then by the end of the second act, I was like, oh no, nope, I'm back. I'm sold. like yep. all right. 'Cause you re- you reset me and I'm I'm back into it. I don't know. I know. It's hard to it's a hard movie to what even even if we'll we're allowed to, it, yeah. to talk about it, it's gonna be difficult to to do it without ruining it for people. See,
0: this is what I meant about exciting movies coming that have a lot more weight to them, things that we can discuss. Sure. Um but let's instead uh hop in the Wayback Machine and discuss a film uh that has is celebrating some type of re release. It's not for an anniversary. Um, it's just the four K release of the Lord of the Rings films and the fact that sean astin was able to join the show and again we're so thrilled that it was specifically because uh he was promoting the lord of the rings trilogy and so here is without further ado uh the real blind conversation with sean astin on behalf of the lord of the rings 4k release
2: uh, well, well, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, we're we're joined on Real Blend by Sean Aston. This is an honor talking about the Lord of the Rings 4K uh, Blu-ray release, which we're all so excited for. Um, Sean, I, I don't know if this is a question that you might it might take a second to think about because I'm just interested to know. Do you remember the first? scene that you shot in Lord of the Rings and the last scene you shot it does not have to be linear from a storytelling standpoint i'm just wondering the first day you had on set as samwise and remember the last day vividly the first scene
3: was on the wooded road which means a lot to the production like design folks and cuz it was the first time we were all together and the ring wraith was there but uh, frodo says get off the road and we all jump over the the tree and we're hiding together under the tree of the four hobbits and the uh, the the uh, what was the ring wraith lands above us with his hand and like that it, it animates all the spiders and creepy crawlies on us. And and uh, so that was that was the first one where we, we were all robed over our thing because it, it was in public. It was basically going into Central Park uh, and shooting a scene like on the rocks in Central Park, because <laughs> in, in, uh, in Wellington, New Zealand, where we filmed, it was basically Mount Victoria it's just a you know you joggers would go by <laughs> it's, <laughs> pretty, it's pretty great so um and then the last one last shot was um was a that's sh- a scene that always makes me cry in the movie when uh aragorn turns and looks at us and says oh my friends you bow to no one was the last scene that was the last oh, was the shot, last shot. It was oh. just the shot of the four hobbits M- my last shot I- the movie had more yeah, to do but sure yeah. um, the, the, the four hobbits were basically just stood against a green screen or blue screen or whatever. And, um and we just hit it. And the camera just kind of did a little, a little push in. And we all gave this sheepish, like, Oh, I guess they're all bowing, bowing for us or oh, a little, little, you know, a little humble about all that. So that was it. That was, those are the, that was the, uh, the alpha and the
2: omega as it were. that's amazing oh, Do, you those the two good ones? Do you remember the word cut being said and like, and what you were feeling? Yeah,
3: yeah. it was, it was a very, you know it was it was we were on prison time everybody was counting down for the last three months you
2: know know, and
3: and, uh and i think they must have chosen that for that or at least saved it until that moment or it was a controlled thing it was inside of the warehouse at stone street and it was um you know which was the studio down there. it's an abandoned paint factory it's an old paint factory with like every time the wind blows, the, the windows rattle and stuff like that. But, uh, and you know, we, there was champagne, there was, I don't know if that was, I don't think that was the end of principal photography, but it was definitely a wrap on the, the hobbits. And we, we went around as a crew, the hobbits, it was like, Oh, the hobbits are on set or the hobbits traveling to set, you know, where are the hobbits, where are, the, are the hobbits eating again? You know, <laughs> where, are, where are the hobbits? So that, but that was, uh, and then they did a little ceremony where they presented, um, gifts you know like they gave me my uh my backpack the sam sam's backpack and sam's sword not sting but sam's you know working class sword if you will and and um you know galadriel the light of a lendil and a little salt box and all this kind of stuff and they and um and they gave us uh Allie, my oldest daughter was i guess she was four or five at the time three when we went down there she played eleanor at the end of The third, shoot, like in the last shot of the last scene of the last film, the little the little girl comes running down the pathway to Sam, and he's like, "Well, I'm back." Mm -hmm. Uh, That was my played by my daughter. She was my daughter, and and by the time (laughs) we finished, the beautifully exquisite Hobbit flowery dress that they did was way too small for her. She was twice as big. (laughs) Like the amount of time that it took to film the child outgrew you know doubled in size and outgrew the dress and they gave us a dress so that was crying it's always crying if it's lord of the rings crying <laughs> uh,
5: well keeping with the theme of, of first i had the great pleasure of interviewing uh the great ian mckellen for the first hobbit film and at one point in the interview he kind of like broke into gandalf uh and, and kind of did the character for a hot second and I will always remember like the physical effect that that had on me. Like I got chills and almost kind of got choked up for a second because it's such a part of my life, such an iconic part of pop culture. But I was curious about
3: imagine uh, going to a gay bar with a guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, Tell me, tell me those stories. Tell us
2: that story, please. Well, he, you know, he's
3: very, very proud uh, out uh, knight, if you will, <laughs> benighted, uh, you know, knight of the realm of of the uh, United Kingdom there, and. and um, he, we just, you know, he, he took us all around. He took us to in Wellington and wherever we would. I didn't know there were gay bars in Wellington. I thought it was more conservative, but no, man, that it's a vibrant scene. And uh, if he breaks into Gandalf in that setting, uh, wait, did he do that? Gary. Would he?
5: Would he break into Gandalf in in gay bars? No,
3: no. Uh-huh. Well, he can't. Gandalf is him. He is Gandalf. No, the funny thing about him is he's so cool. He's just so cool. He's just he's the kind of guy, you know, when he walks in in a party, he's just in the corner, you know, and 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 the, the energy kind of swirls towards him, but he's he just he doesn't um you know, this is a guy who does Shakespeare, who stands you know, you know, Hamlet or whatever King Lear and he stands in the middle of the stage and just commands centuries of, you know, dramatic audiences and but he walks into a party and he's just like the bad I don't know if you ever saw him do um um SNL but he's just like smoking cool dude so anyhow you, I I, you know we all had that feeling you know when he came out I remember when they settled on his nose they settled on what the nose was going to look like for him and watching a true master at work you know it's like from the outside it might have just looked like a guy going like this in the mirror so what I was, I was basically saying is like you know when you have, I think of like Peter O'Toole, right? Think of of, uh, of um, those big seventy millimeter sweeping epics, uh, or, or like Gone with the Wind, or any of those movies that were that just existed on a massive canvas. You know, you got to think that those that those stars had, uh, you know, at the point of where the technology was when they are making Lawrence of Arabia is what I'm trying to spit out there, but um, their their iconography. You know what did Lawrence look like with that turban? Like that's what was happening with with Ian McKellen, looking at his wizard nose, and his wizard <laughs> beard. You know what I mean? He was he he understood, or he was he was designing for himself. I, I mean, I think the character, the character, this this um, you know storied character in literature, this children's character, I guess, on some level. But but uh, you know, so you know, there's like, how are you gonna? thread the needle with making it just um you know uh, playful whimsical enough that it that it honors the that the whimsy and everything but also substantial enough and I just remember him looking at his nose and making a decision that like yes this was you know not too big and not too small not too round and not hmm. too pointy you know what I mean it was like it was it was a it was a privilege to watch that that moment and and so we all get that Feeling from from him when he when he says anything. I mean, he probably gave me the best parenting advice I ever got from anybody. We were at um, we were shooting the Hobbiton stuff in I think it's called Mata Mata. Um, is That's where museum. I went for my
2: honeymoon. I I went to the Hobbiton in Mata Mata. I went to that exact place, and I wasn't there to buy you an ale and congratulations. I, Sean I texted you man you uh, you, you just didn't show up <laughs> it's upsetting well,
3: uh, there better be some sort of an anniversary where we can coalesce down there and, but uh we were there we were staying in these you know it was a low budget, low bud indie it was like a student film the way we made it you know it had there was a lot of people and a lot of stuff but the whole vibe about making the movie we all jumped in our cars and we drove up there and most of the actors found bed and breakfast that we wanted to stay at. And, you know, and, and we happened, Ian and I happened to, and my wife and daughter were there. Uh, and she was, she was mesmerized by a sprinkler. She was only three at the time. She was mesmerized by a little, the sprinkler going back. And Mm -hmm. I, I remember going over my, my whole way with her was to explain everything and to use big language. And like, I really wanted her to, to, you know, just, inhabit all of this world that she could, even as a, cause kids have so much capacity, so much more capacity than they're usually credited with. And, yeah. and so I'm describing to her how underneath, how the water works and the spigot works and all this stuff. And he was sitting, you know, I think we were having tea or it was cold out, you know, and he's, there's like a little, you know, patio or something. And he goes, wow. He goes, if you explain everything to her, she won't, she won't be discovering it on her own or something like that. Right. And I was like, mm. <laughs> oh Oh, my god like there's something to letting children discover things in their own way in their own time i'm like that's it he said one little thing and it
0: changed my entire life you know wow a man who's lived a lifetime um Sean, this is the new copy, obviously, uh, which everybody can get their hands on. And I will turn around and put it on a shelf next to four other copies of Lord of the Rings. <laughs> uh, I, there are certain movies that just whenever a new one comes out, I have Jaws. Uh, Kevin has about seven Terminator 2s. I'm really yeah. curious, what is your movie that whenever a version of it comes out, you just get it because you have to own it? It's That's your movie.
3: I mean, I think the corollary for me is what movies I I must watch. Gladiator, LA Confidential, um, nice, uh, uh, Shawshank Redemption, mm-hmm. um, Patton, Lawrence of Arabia. Um, I mean, I remember uh, the only thing that I think is fits for me in terms of like purchase because who buys anything anymore? What is that <laughs> wall of? Items behind you. I don't Yeah,
0: know. relics. A <laughs> bunch of relics. Dude,
2: my <laughs> wife and I have a 1600 blockbuster Blu ray collection. We come down here and rent movies, man. We do it every weekend. I had laser
3: discs. When laser discs <laughs> were a big deal, I, I turned I, 18 when laser discs were at their zenith and I bought um, oh, Alien and, um, <laughs> you know, just anything. The, was the Fugitive available? I feel like I got the Fugitive. Oh. You know, my, my personal taste, though, is, uh, oh, I feel like I'm different people, you know, depending on who, who we're talking about. Uh, uh, you know, I'm Back to the Future and Fletch. Uh, yeah. That's one Sean. Yeah. You know, the other Sean's the version I was just describing to you there. I have many, <laughs> you know, we love te- television stuff now. We're like, we te- I just watched three seasons of Turn. Have you guys seen Turn? No, no I've heard it's amazing. It's no. really, really good. I, I, it's you know, I'm a world. I'm a, I'm a. The great thing about Lord of the Rings for me when I, when we made it, and and why I loved Alan Lee's um, uh, illustrations. You know, he's one of the two prime uh, illustrators, and really, and, and and Alan Lee and John Howe's a brilliant, incredible uh, artist, painter, illustrator. And and um, and when I say illustrator, I mean like museum quality artwork you know you can go to the Louvre and see these guys things but Alan Lee he was really and Peter credited him with being the sort of visual um soul of the movie that his Mm. interpretation of the books in his lifetime of work treating Tolkien um it's it's really you could you can you can take those we would literally hold up his drawings as we were uh, acting out a scene like there was a scene where Frodo and Sam and uh, and uh, Gollum are at the black gates. And we're, we're over looking over this rock at the black gates that are opening up. And they're, they're, the orcs are marching out or whatever they are, Urkai or whatever. And um, it's the cover illustration of the <laughs> bound three book volume. And we literally had the book and we were positioning ourselves in the camera to, to mimic the drawing that wow. he had
2: done. It's like your basic storyboards, basically, essentially. Basic storyboards, wow.
3: yes. And on yeah. and, and the coolest thing about them was for me, they seemed like history. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a scene in Rivendell when um, Boromir arrives and Sean Bean arrives, and he's looking uh, at the at the murals, the painted murals on the Elven walls that depict the history of man and and um, and the kid, the um, whatever it is, the the, the the Narsil, the shards of Narsil, and all that kind of stuff. Anyhow, there's mm-hmm. something the the level, the attention to detail, and the the reverence for what's being depicted are so uh, so honest that it's you know because there's there can be a kind of comic book thing like John Howe he depicts there's one thing where Sam has the light of a Lendale the 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 Gladi light we call it and the sword and he's diving in the in the drawing. At Shelob, like like he's running and he dives. It's an action shot, and it's like it's 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 a comic book. It's real. It's action. It's kinetic. It's colorful. But there's something like artistic and 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 historic. And there's there's kind of I don't even know how what the word is to describe it. But but I love those movies. I love histories and biographies. Mm-hmm. And what I loved about Lord of the Rings was that it was real. It was as real as even these, you know, fantastic little hobbits and the orcs and the elves and the dwarves and the didn't matter. The more real they were, the, the most painful thing Peter Jackson ever said to me, you know, he's a man of few words. Uh, and he, you know, he's very, very stoic guy. Uh, I mean, he can be he can be performative when he when he wants to or needs to. I mean, he can act things out and he's very eloquent and so forth. But, you know, on a day to day basis, Peter Jackson is basically like a quiet guy. Yeah. And, um, you know, he sort of lets the work do the talking. And, and, uh, and his direction was always very, you know, minimal, you know, but mostly his direction would be let's do it again. You know, we do like a 1000 <laughs> takes, you know, another take, let's do another take, let's do another take. And you're like, it's dark, everybody's gone home, we're gonna do another, take? Okay, let's do another <laughs> take. So, so, but he, he came up to me at one point, and he looked at me. And he said, I just didn't believe that. Ooh. oh my God, he Ooh. might as well have, left. it was like a Mortal Kombat death blow. It was like he reached his, he, <laughs> he, he ripped shoot. my head <laughs> off of my body and my skeleton,
0: my spine with it.
3: Uh, and you've so never heard I, that
0: before? Is that the first time you heard that from a director? It,
3: it was, it was true. Yeah, okay, gotcha. Mm. gotcha. It was true that I was not invested, that I was out of it. Mm-hmm. I was out of the character I was out of the mood I was out of I just wasn't there and uh, and you know you listen when you're making movies you know you pull up I'm very aware of like the mechanics of things like all that's going to be remembered is you know, a shop that's like this or a stunt that gets done or whatever it is at that day. But I'm aware of like driving to the set and where you park and where the crew is eating and what kind of dressing room there is and how the AD is feeling that day. And like, I'm very aware of the actual mechanics of the making of the show. And I think I was just kind of like distracted and thinking about and just not in it. And there could be a lot of reasons for it, but he said that and it was like, oh, it was brutal he didn't mean it to be brutal he, he meant it to land he didn't yeah. mean for it to be brutal but it was, it was a perfect piece of direction and it, he was absolutely right and I and it made me better it made me focus harder the the only time I felt like that after that was a year later when we came back to do pickups for uh the two towers and um there's a scene where in with Shelob you know I spent a week with the with one of the directors Jeff Murphy one of the second unit directors uh, filming the Shelob fight sequence. And it was really exhausting. You got this big backpack on, and you're flopping yourself on the ground and scrambling around. And, like, you know, you'd think to look at it like, oh, you're a kid, just play. But I don't know. I was like, it was, I was tired. It, was, it hurt, you know. And, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, but we, sure. we, ke- we kept doing it. We kept doing it. And, and, uh, and then, like, we go back, and he wanted to get the hero shot where, like, Sam steps in to a hero moment, and the camera, the dolly comes in, and it gets real close and he goes get away from him you filth or something like that you know like some yeah. great Harrison Ford line of heroic mm-hmm. line of dialogue and uh the reverse of which by the way is Peter Jackson's arm he really wanted to play Sam's arm so when you see the scene Shelob is there and Sam steps into frame with one of those kind of hero you know help his or help has arrived moments and it's Peter Jackson's hand on on the sword uh, uh, and then it cuts what? around in my face and and uh, and I, I'm I'm but I I literally they did the dolly shot and w- the way we filmed it was they, they did a little piece of rock behind us not even a green screen um, which in a weird way has its own you you know how to you know when you're on a green screen that you you have to give it you have to bring it you know you have to be there you have to you have to perform you can't just exist in the space because it's green screen so in a weird way it's almost a a, a dramatic prompt when you're on a green screen now we just had a piece of rock behind me and we were on the again at stone street studios and on this the cement floor basically which you know usually when you step into the set the floor is dirt or the floor is whatever the set is and you wouldn't think of it but that it affects you it affects where you're standing what you're wearing what you can see everything affects what you're doing and so we, you know, it was kind of artificial. It was an artificial moment and he did it. And I, and I, and I said, the the hero line and I just, my heart wasn't in it. We did it again. And I was just like, shit, like, I don't, like I didn't know w- what was going wrong. And I prided myself. Um, you know, when we first started filming the film culture, approach to creatures in green screen was Jurassic Park. Hmm. It was Sam Neill with a, with a pole, with the tennis ball on the end of it. I was like, okay, the T-Rex is the tennis ball, you know, but ultimately at a certain point, um, if you really focus on the X, the tape X or the tennis ball or whatever the the point in the fixed point, they want you to look at it actually, to my eye, it looks like you're looking behind, the animated character once the animated characters characters on screen so to me what i prided myself on at the beginning was being able to see Gollum, or see the spider or see the cave troll like i could see it my imagination like i just believed it and i could play a scene with an actual cave troll right there in my my mind and uh, and i knew uh i think i was complimented a couple of times but but like It works for the effect, for the special effects when they start putting the digital character on top of it. So, um, when we were doing this pickup, I couldn't see the spider. I was like, the camera would come in and I'd go get away from him, you filth or whatever. And I'm like, I can't see the spider. I can see Cannes Film Festival. I can see the Oscars. I can see, you know, all of the, uh, you know, uh, Vanity Fair covers that we did you know. (laughs) the the movie had become this big cultural phenomenon all the talk shows all the like everything that went along with lord of the rings becoming a part of the culture for a minute there and uh and like i i couldn't it really it took i was so disappointed in myself at not being able to see the spider at that moment but i did i did reacquire she loved and uh (laughs) hopefully it shows on on the screen Sean, I wish we
2: had more time
0: with you, man. Yeah, we had so many questions for you. I think our time is up. (laughs) Yeah, but we really appreciate your time so much. Anytime you can come back and talk about these films or or your entire career, we would love to have you back.
3: Well, I appreciate that you're promoting it. The the funny thing about the uh, cinephile um, marketplace is people are always clamoring for more of what they love. They want the remastered. They want the new version. They want the additional, you know, scenes, the added scenes. They want bonus material, whatever. But then when someone like, you know, like Warner Brothers, like New Line, they're like, okay, you know, here's this. Here's another one. Here's another one. You take it. So I personally have not yet seen uh, the 4K. Um, but I'm, I, I'm, I'll be watching it with the rest of the, uh, the rest of the audience. So we were laughing about it. this
0: opportunity though, that normally these are the questions we would have to squeeze in at the end of another interview with you. <laughs> so it was great <laughs> to just be able to openly yeah. gush about this.
2: I, I, we, we were going to get like super geeky. We, I wanted to get into like the force perspective and all that kind of stuff, but we'll have to do that another time with you. I love the way it was shot. So. Well,
3: you, it's funny. Cause we said a few things. Like I, I hadn't talked about some of this stuff in the 8 trillion times I've talked about it. I, it, was, it was a little bit different. It was a little unique. We're gonna have to put out a four, 4K four version of this interview. Hey, to, that's, a, that's a compliment. <laughs>
5: that's, that's the ultimate. Any, anytime someone says that I've never talked about that before after talking about things for uh, years at this point, uh, that's that's the best compliment in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's you guys. You guys are legit.
0: Thank you, Sean. That Sean, really Sean I'm,
2: I'm only gonna ask you this really quickly because I know you have to go. Is it true that they dug holes that, that act, the actors would stand in to look shorter than the other actors to make the Hobbits look shorter?
3: every possible permutation of manipulating uh, height and size. So holes, you know, Apple boxes to stand on, getting on your knees. I actually, you know, I'm sure Peter had already thought of it, but when we were doing the rehearsals before we started filming and I, I was like, well, what if we do it like this? What if, when he had a little camera out or he had his viewfinder out or something like that. It's funny because it's 20 years ago and you really, it's really hard to remember a time when there wasn't, you know, it was Napster. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It was like, yeah. there was no, there was, you know, email was a thing, but there was barely any tech, you know, that you, to so to you know, to speak of. And it evolved, like, as we were filming, things got more and more advanced, like, you know, just the idea of this kind of phone call was not possible then yeah this I'm kind of sure. video thing, and you, you sort of forget but but um I remember being like well if I get down on my knees and you put the, the viewfinder right behind me and I'm looking up isn't that like just as good as forced perspective isn't that just as good as I it's it's in fact way better than forced perspective because forced perspective gives you context but in terms of being emotionally like connected to what you're talking like in the drama of it it's it's, it can actually you you can't get the it's literally you can't get close Because the closer you get the more you reveal that that the you're being the perspective is being forced so what you really want is that perspective and then you want a close-up on Ian McKellen's face or close-up on Elijah Wood's face and that's where it lives so
2: yeah well, Sean, right. thank you for ending on that. I appreciate that. <laughs> that was the one thing I really wanted to ask you, so thank you for that. I appreciate that. Right, cool. You guys are awesome. All right, we'll let Be you well. go. Thanks, Stay safe and strong.
0: We have to thank Warner Brothers Home Entertainment for giving us time with Sean Astin. That was honestly, and and again, I'll full disclosure, you guys know I've said it on the show before. I'm not a huge fan of the Lord of the Rings series, but to be able to sit down with him and discuss the impact of that trilogy, uh, that it, the, the prevalence that it has in our culture, of course, I'm fascinated by all of the behind the scenes stuff of how this, this came together, and to hear him talk so lovingly about his experience was was really fantastic. Did you ever do any of the junkets or the uh, the Hobbit junkets? No, I didn't do any of them. did you didn't do any, no. any of them. No, because by then I was, I was I had no interest. I was off that bandwagon, and so and Eric Eisenberg, who uh, writes for Cinema Blend, is a huge fan of that world, and so any opportunity that we got to sit down with that cast, it was his right at the bat. So I, that's always one of the fun things uh, at Cinema Blend with the staff is being able to send someone who is a full-blown fanatic uh to go and cover something and it's hard with like marvel or star wars or something everyone's a fan right sure but when you have a niche project that somebody is super geeked out about and then you'd be able to send them to to go cover that is that's like you guys were
4: uh it's like an independent film like the lord of the Rings. yeah an independent film (laughs) yeah i hear you guys have a tom hanks interview
5: coming up
0: uh, we have a, we do have a Tom H- well I mean listen, if it happens, you know, these things Yeah, who's assigned to that one? These things come and go. Um right now it's me. <laughs> right right now it's gonna I be. I hope me. you have a wonderful time and uh you know what's strange this will be the second time that i will have interviewed tom this year um you know since i also got him for that submarine movie you know what my greatest hope is <laughs> is that out of pure
4: muscle memory because I, I assume you're going to be doing this interview from this very desk that you're sitting at now yes. out of pure muscle memory you're wrapping up the interview with tom hanks and you just yell larry crown <laughs> and he's
0: just game, a deer in headlights game i'll make you a promise. If I get him, I will end the interview with Larry Crown.
5: Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you heard it here we have, first. We have to cut that clip and put it on. I know we even don't if, really cut our junket stuff and put it I on. I mean, the even show.
0: if I just find a, a clever way to just be like, hey, man, I was a big fan of Larry Crown. <laughs>
5: Don't you fucking lie. Don't, no, right, you, don't, well, you don't deserve to, to, to trade barbs over it Larry Brown. i wasn't good. you,
4: sir. Well,
1: right, stay like, tuned. We'll,
4: dude, we'll,
5: dude, we'll... Dude, a movie cannot star <laughs> Cedric the Entertainer unless it's entertaining.
4: <laughs> that's a good point. Yes, that's very true. This episode of Real Blend is brought to you by Marvel Strike Force.
0: uh talking points so we mentioned the fact that you guys are being excited for wonder woman and the huge news that broke since the last time that we recorded is that wonder woman 1984 is coming to hbo max on december four uh december 25th i'm sorry christmas day it's going to be available in 4k and hd resolution and all the bells and whistles it is going to be available. Resolution.
4: Sorry. What's that? HDR is what you were looking HDR? for. HDR? 4K HD resolution. Yeah, yeah you got yeah, it. Yeah. Sounds good. It's going to look you great. You trip me up. You <laughs> tripped me up.
0: It's going to look fantastic. Um, and it's going to be available in some cinemas uh, where it is allowed, where it's going to be uh, safe to be able to go back to theaters, where audiences will feel safe going back to theaters. This is kind of interesting, though. Uh, as Gabe puts in the notes, it's going to be in cinemas in the UK starting on December 16th. As a spoiler culture, like, aren't we concerned about important stuff getting out, and how angry our U.S. audience is going to be if stuff starts to hit the internet because of the fact that it's playing someplace else?
4: The only thing I could think is that happens all the time. Yeah. So
5: with big Marvel movies, yeah, it's not a I don't, I don't because of DC, but like, yeah, the first time big, big superhero, superhero movies, yeah,
4: yeah, uh, the. The only thing that's different I guess is there's so much build up for this because as you were saying earlier it's you know it's kind of the first major release we're getting that we're really getting cuz Tenet was only in so many theaters and yeah. had so much interest. Um so so I think there's maybe there's just more weighing on it for people because they finally get something. Um but you know it, it it's always happened that way so I'm...
0: And the gist being that they have gotten their protocols in in better place in the UK is that why they're able to go a little bit earlier than we are or Was that the rationale given behind it?
4: What I was reading was, I didn't see much about that, but they had, basically, it seems like they're doing a much better job of, from what I gather, of, of, of communicating with studios and kind of putting forth a plan for like a temporary solution because we're in the middle of an emergency, as opposed to here where it's, we've had this wishy-washy sense of what's going to happen, what's not going to happen, um depending on the director, are they going to get, you know, a theatrical release or whatever. They, it looks like they've shortened this, they've created a shortened window the way that they've, we've started to do across the board and committed to, like, we're just trying to make this work for as many people in the industry as possible right. for right now, but in no way is this the future of, of what we want to do. So. I
0: find that interesting that they're taking that stance because it feels like that's the stance that tenant probably should have pushed forward at the time of hey, we understand everything's sort of out of proportion, right? And let's compromise and do a theatrical option for people who can and a VOD option for people who don't feel safe going that route. And if Tenant had sort of been the groundbreaking film to be the first one to do that, I wonder if more studios might have followed their lead through the rest of September, October, November, and, and Black right. Widow would have had a... Um, very limited theatrical run and been on Disney Plus by this point. It feels like Wonder Woman now is saying we're going to be the trailblazer that that implements this dual outlet model and and we'll see how it works.
4: And I think it's hard to say that this decision isn't at least informed by tenants. hundred percent. I don't yeah. know. I don't want to use the word failure, but like it, yeah. it didn't do what anyone expected or what it seemed they were expecting yeah. to do. So I, this is at least informed by that in yeah. some way.
0: Now, Jake, I know Kevin and I, um, because we have press days coming up, we have the option to see it in a theater. You do yeah. not in Chicago. Correct? Yeah,
5: um, I'm going to be seeing it. We're all doing the, the junket coming up. Um, I am going to be watching it at home. Unfortunately, are but you, like 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 a lot of people are. Um, theaters and in... I'm bummed because other people get to see it in a theater.
0: Oh, really? Interesting. Uh, okay.
5: You know, like you and Kevin, you and Kevin have that option. And Warner Brothers was very kind and and uh, asked if I. Wanted to see it in a theater, and I was like, "Unfortunately, I can't. Like theaters yeah. are not open in Chicago." Um, but you know, I also got to see Tenet in a in a in a theater, and a lot mm-hmm. of people did not. I know a lot of people uh, in LA who are waiting to see Tenet for the first time when it comes out on Blu-ray. Um, I mean, could you right. imagine if you know if if we hadn't seen a Nolan movie that had been out for six months by now? Um, so yeah, true. Yes. I forget about that
4: sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm like, I'm like walking around. I'm like, oh wait, these people haven't a seen a huge Tenet. chunk of people. I've
5: <laughs> not seen 10. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I'd be lying if I said I weren't bummed, but it's also the world we live in. And the fact that, um, I, you know, I, you, the fact that we even get to see, it, I, you know, I think it's, uh, you know, it's a big, I don't want to say sacrifice on Warner Brothers part that they're, mm-hmm. they're putting it out, but the fact that they're making it, I will say, that um of all of the big movies that have started to be made available on video on demand and streaming services this is the one that i have gotten the most family members like friends reach out hey like when when is one of women like like oh it's hbo max oh cool i need to sign up for like uh, there seems to be a massive you know we've talked about whether or not tenant was the right one to kind of be the one through the door mm-hmm. um you know tenant was always a hard sell
4: yeah um, but it also it, was the wrong time i think sure. that's yeah uh, i fair. agree with you 100% it's, i agree yeah. you know
5: Uh, I think people came at that movie with knives out no matter what happened, but I I think... um, That was a couple years ago. (laughs) uh, No, that was one year ago, believe it or not. (laughs) One year ago. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But uh, but no, I I think Wonder Woman's going to be a massive success. But to answer your question, long story short, I am bummed that I'm not seeing it in theaters.
0: Yeah, and again, you say like it's a sacrifice for Warner Brothers, but in a way it's not because what they'll get is HBO Max subscribers. Sure. Um, sure. I wonder how many people sign up for these things, watch what they want to watch, and then cancel them. Do but people this go through the does, hassle doing What they're that?
5: doing is they're getting the conversation do. going about other things. Like, yeah, you'll sign up for Wonder Woman, <clears> but oh, my neighbor's been talking about the undoing for a month now, so like... I gotta, I gotta watch the Undoing, and like, yes. oh, like I heard someone talk about flight attendant and flight attendants on here. So, yeah. so you, you kind of, you, you really start building up those secondary titles, you know, the the limited series and stuff like that. You bring people in with the Snyder cuts and the and the and the Wonder Woman's, and then you, uh, da, 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 <laughs> da, da. Um, but and then you you keep them around because they need to finally binge that series that their neighbor's been talking about.
4: That'll be really interesting to see. Because I'm assuming you know their team is smart enough to know that like when Wonder Woman launches, they need to be really particular about what they put around it. You know, smart. like when yeah, you yeah, look yeah. log yeah. into yeah, the UI, point. you're like, okay, what are we going to show these people to hopefully do exactly that. So that'll be really interesting to see. Like, I wonder how much Snyder cut stuff is going to happen around Wonder Woman just because Ooh, all the people that are in Flux. Snyder cuts maybe a little <clears throat> bit more niche than yeah. Wonder Woman. So it, there's a lot of, it'll be interesting to see the marketing. That's so that. interesting. Well, I so
5: like in did- the same way that when you go see a big summer blockbuster the trailers before it are usually other big summer blockbusters and the date
0: that i'm hearing more often than not for snyder cut though it's never been confirmed is march um so isn't there a book coming out in february
5: that would 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 you should mention
0: that yes funny you should mention that that the snyder cut uh release the snyder cut available on amazon and all the places you you like to pre-order you're uh, uh
4: <laughs> I, did i write to i wrote did i write the introduction to that book i don't no. know it sounds familiar it Turns you, out, no one, wrote so many introductions for my author friends turns yeah. out you no one down. wrote
0: the introduction for that book <laughs> 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 that, that one fell true. this is a book the
4: book just starts <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right uh let's get on to oh this is sad news see i'm sorry what a terrible <laughs> transition yeah i know um we lost darth vader uh, the great David Prouse, who is the um, the actor inside the suit, has passed away, and I I found this to be really moving. There was a lot of people uh, who commented on social media with regards to his performance and his passing that he was just as much a part of, of bringing Darth Vader to life as James Earl Jones's voice would be. And I never I, personally I didn't stop to think about that, but I I think that that's really accurate. Like there's a ton of really significant physicality to Vader. That has to be attributed to David Prowse and the way that he played him. Uh, Jake, I'll turn it over to you as our resident uh, Star Wars fan, and as someone who I'm sure has appreciated Darth Vader on screen. What is it about D- David Prowse and what he did with the the part that stands out to you?
5: No, I agree with you. The the physicality that he brought the the you know the the slow turns of the head, the you know the the grasp of his fist. Hmm. Um, unfortunately, um, you know I don't I don't know how much you know about his story. He kind of got screwed over in the end.
0: Oh no! Um, and didn't, I didn't know really. This.
5: He doesn't play Vader for most of Return of the Jedi. Okay. Um. Hmm. And and really was kind of, there's a great documentary. Uh. It, it was on Netflix. I don't know if it is anymore. If you could find it, it's called I Am Darth Vader. Oh. Um. And it's really about how, how he got involved and and you know him playing the role and you know him trying to voice it There are great clips of like him you know because he's got this you know good good solid British voice, but you know it's not James Earl Jones. And so it, these <laughs> clips of Darth Vader. But like a British guy is speaking like like and it's and it's kinda of muffled because it's like under the mask. And you know, uh, you know, you know, where are the where are the plans? You know, and it's just not you know, it's um so it's kinda of fun to see to see those clips. But uh there now, was did some he do really, the
0: lightsaber fighting? Did he was yeah, he? Yeah, he did the
5: training him. there. Yeah, there, there's footage of, of him training with Alec Guinness. Um, you know, for the first one. And yeah, so that that's all him. The uh you know, and then the, some really unfortunate things happened between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Okay, um, between him and producers, that um, led to a lot of a lot of you know the, maybe the most insulting being that they just didn't use his face whenever they took his mask off. Like okay. we're talking about a guy who has played Darth Vader through the most iconic scenes in the entire trilogy, and you're finally going to show the dude's face at the end, and you're not going to show the guy who has right. been like playing him like that. Like that. to me, that's it was incredibly insulting. And um, it's, a, it's an unfortunate story, but I agree with you in that I, I'm, you know, it, it sucks that sometimes it takes death to, to appreciate someone's work, but it, it has been encouraging to see people kind of universally agree that, that maybe we didn't appreciate his, his physical performance in that role as much as we should have um, right. while he
0: was alive. Well, here I'm going com- to show my total ignorance. Um... And so, who is that when they take Vader's helmet off? And I,
5: I, can, I cannot think of the guy. It's it's an actor. It's it's okay. like a professional actor. Is it really? Um, yeah, okay, but it wasn't and, David Prowse. But it's I, not David Prowse.
0: I never once stopped to even think if that was him or not. I just yeah, kind yeah, of. I guess I just assumed that it was. No,
5: that's not him. And 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 uh, David took that personally. Like yeah. you know, that's you know. But that was also at a time where he was kind of getting screwed out of. I mean, he was on set a lot of Return of the Jedi, but they didn't use him a lot, and it was because right. well. some really he got blamed for. Um, un- not not rightfully so. He got blamed for um the leak of the uh, uh Luke's parentage, uh, getting out.
0: Oh, because it got out. Because I
5: guess, it, I, I guess it, it did. I mean, not to the degree that like it would get out today. Yeah, yeah, sure. But I guess it did get out, and uh, and I think they used him as a scapegoat huh, from what I remember of uh, the documentary. So because of that, a lot of producers held grudges and then kind of screwed him over in Jedi.
0: I am Darth Vader. That's interesting. Okay, got to look out that out for that documentary. Yeah, that's pretty that's fascinating. Um, I, I went down just to to sort of tie into this briefly. Um, some people might know I'm working on a, another book. Not to bring this about yes. me, and, and it's about Spider Man. Yes. And one in particular uh, section that I'm working on right now is people who have um, who license themselves out, or Marvel licenses them out to appear at different places in Spider Man costumes, um, and they have oh, a stable of people who because of their physicality they get sent to uh parades or store openings hospitals a ton of times you know to is visit like with it, kids they,
4: is it like gymnasts and stuff there people who can do like backflips and stuff or is it yes. just they're built yes That's well awesome. both
0: like you know they they have the ability to do this um one guy in particular who i was interviewing who got really close to getting a movie role early on um would even talk about the competition about the things you got sent to uh like he's uh, like oh he goes every time that they had the macy's day parade i lost out to fill in the blank and he was so annoyed that that's like so interesting this that's guy so got awesome. the that would be stuff. a
5: great documentary
0: but it makes me think about the the number of people who play vader in like the disney parks you know yeah. and and the fact yeah. that they have to meet yeah. a standard right there's yeah. just if you see a darth vader and he's five foot four you know yeah you're <laughs>
5: annoyed. You know, too now especially now that um, and I know this because, you know, we always, so, so there's a local, uh, the 501st first garrison, uh, oh, yeah. all, all around, you know? Um, and I, last time I spoke, every time there was like a star Wars story, we would bring them in studio here, you know, bring invader, bring, in bring in a couple, you know, it's, it's, you know you bring them on the plaza, people come around and say, I want to take, it's huge. It's, it's a great pool. Um, my, my bosses always hate how big it is because it just confirms that like my love of star Wars, at least, at least somewhat justified. Um, but uh, they were talking about how much it has changed since Disney bought Star Wars, and how much control they have over um, what they can and cannot do, uh, how they can pose in pictures. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, th- oh, it's wow. it's very. I, there was, uh, there was some some sort of pose I wanted with Vader. I think where like I wanted him like choking me or something like that. Okay, can't and the do guy that. was like, dude, like I can't. He goes like, once Disney took over like we're not allowed to do that anymore and i know it's like they they really no they choking. really yeah yeah,
4: no, yeah vader you corporate chill <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: that's funny. That's why don't we just blow think. the
4: planet up ah uh, we don't do that anymore, yeah. do that anymore. <laughs> mickey
0: wouldn't approve man i'll never forget i think it was one of your first assignments jake in chicago um where you went out and interviewed a bunch of stormtroopers and you have an amazing photo of you like mm-hmm. You're kneeling on the ground with your hands behind your head yeah, and they, yeah, yeah. they have their blasters pointed at you. Yeah,
5: Cause that was, um, and now thinking back, I think it was just a giant promotional thing. They were like, apparently running tryouts for episode seven. Okay. Like, so they're like, that was, that was one of my first stories here in Chicago was like Disney producers were coming to Chicago to audition people for episode seven. And I never did like hear If anything. thing, yeah. like I'm, I'm assuming that's not where, I don't, I don't think Daisy Ridley was discovered in, uh, no, you know, in, in Streeterville.
0: Yeah. I, and instead, Daniel Craig played him. <laughs>
5: <laughs> so I don't think he had to audition.
0: The, the first question <laughs> in
5: the audition is, is no. you are you a movie star that's a close personal friend with J.J. Abrams? you're yeah. like, no? Okay, yeah. sorry. Yeah. Sorry.
0: Yeah, it's not gonna Thanks happen. for coming by. Yeah. Speaking of uh, close personal friends with movie stars, <clears throat> Jake and I got to interview George Clooney. Uh, and we'll talk about Midnight Sky on a separate episode. And in fact, are we doing so for the premium episode? Are we also going down this this rabbit hole a little bit deeper?
4: Uh yeah 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 Somewhat. also I mean not specifically Clooney but we're talking about movie stars
0: yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. all right well that's a tease for the the premium episode Jake and I, I said this to you uh before the show started your interview with Clooney was so phenomenal it was just phenomenal um and and what we were talking about is that he's really difficult to interview because he is not that not a, has he only he's been around the block so long and is and has done so much press that he can stop doing press and that when he finally does agree to do press you have to approach him uh in the sense that he is two steps ahead of of everything you're about to ask him and you figured out how to ask your questions in ways that he knew what you wanted to ask him about but you found a different way into it and dude it was so impressive and uh thank you yeah it was great it was so it was so great to watch i really enjoyed it
5: to to sort of Talk about when you, when you talk about like him being difficult, like, but don't don't misinterpret that if you're listening because he is probably I would argue, and we were talking about this because you and I were both nervous, um, before and we have both so spoken nervous. to him before, um, but uh, you know it, nervous and not that like you're curious as to whether or not he's going to be good because he's guaranteed to be good. He is you know he is he is the kind of person that and there are very few, there are a handful of people who I would put in this category where. It, if you ask him a question that he's been asked all day, he will answer in such a charming, enthusiastic way as to make you think that you're the first person that you could ask him. So, what attracted you to the role? And he would answer like he's never been asked that before in his entire life. Right. So, whenever we're like for for I think for both of us, it was it wasn't so much that we were nervous um, for him; we were nervous for ourselves. Like we want you know he's someone that you want to step up for. He's yeah. someone that you want to be good. You know, you want to, to earn the privilege of his time. Yeah. Um, so I appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate you saying that, man. That's, you, that's like huge... you
0: said, you want it to go, you want it to go well. And sure. one thing I'm going to attribute to him also is that I think personally, we've interviewed certain people who have to tell you the same answer. They have to repeat the same answer because they don't have anything else. Mm-hmm. Right. I think he is so interesting as a person that I think he has a rolodex, an endless rolodex of answers that he could give you. And I'll even give you this as as a little peek behind the curtain. I know that Kevin and I asked similar questions in terms of whether being a father has changed the way that he has approached the the gig. Now he, has, I mean,
5: and I and I asked kind of the the, the reverse engineered of that question.
0: You did. And I can you? tell you that all three of us got different answers. That's interesting. Kevin told me what he told him. I know what he told me. And I saw what he told you. And I, th- I think that all three of them are accurate. Mm-hmm. And he just, that's how he fe- He has that many feelings and opinions. So, and- so, so wait, how does,
5: so, so what he told me was no. Cause he was like, basically he's like, look, like I played a pediatrician on ER. Like I've been working with kids. Like, I know, I know how to act opposite children. Yes. Therefore, like, having children doesn't change my ability to be able to act opposite of a child. Correct. So did he tell you something? What did he tell you?
0: I asked him if being a father changes the types of stories that he wants to tell. Okay. Um. So a, a variation, you know, yeah. a shade off from what you asked. And he said he hasn't thought of it that way, but one thing that he did find interesting is that recently he and Amal went back through his films to see which ones could I start to show the kids. Oh, that's a great um, as answer. we get a little bit closer mm. to it. He goes, I guess Fantastic Mr. Fox. And then he goes, after that, they can maybe watch Batman and Robin if they want to laugh. Yeah.
4: And um, then from Dust Till Dawn. <laughs> right, exactly. Straight goes, to it.
0: And then he he goes to the normal George Clooney joke. He goes, I guess yeah. I'm going to have to look at Sesame Street, the movie sometime down the line, you know, of, of directing that as a project. Yeah. And and then the answer he gave Kevin was completely different also too. And I just think that's him. I think he's that interesting. Yeah.
5: Yeah. So. He, he's the epitome of, aside from the fact that he is George Clooney, he is the type of person who, that, that cliche of, look, I'll buy drinks all night if you'll just come to the bar and tell stories. Yeah. Um, exactly. uh, Felicity... Jones, who we interviewed, mm-hmm. uh, told me that he is such a great storyteller that he would just start kind of just shooting the shit, and like he would like people would gather around him on the set, and he right. would start telling people stories, and eventually the actors would raise their hand and go like George, like do we have, do we need to go film? Like, should we go? <laughs> and I was like, that is why this movie costs $300 million. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
4: Did, can you talk about, you mentioned it to us. Um, I don't know if it was like in your footage, but uh, the Casamigos thing, can you talk about that? Oh, oh I, I just, know. he. The, the listeners I think would enjoy yeah, here. The, the that, one that of, came up.
5: One, one of the, the, talking about that question that we were just talking about, the way I phrased it was, uh, whenever, Actors have children in the middle of their career. A question that they will inevitably get a lot is, "How does it affect uh, how you play fathers or how you interact with children on the screen?" And I said, "But you know, I've been thinking about that. And you're an actor. Like you played a father before you were one. You played a criminal without being one. And you uh, killed vampires on screen. And as far as I know, you've never killed a vampire in real life. So that was kind of the, that was the jump start to to my question, because uh, the question ended up being." Does it actually, do you think it actually affects your ability to be able to interact with kids on screen or is that a way for us reporters to ask about your personal life? And his, uh, and then so whatever we touched on, and so he answered, he gave the answer and then he kind of pauses and he goes, but just so you know, I have actually killed vampires in real life. <laughs> and, uh, and I go, oh, like I was like, I really want to hear about your trip down to Mexico then. He goes, oh, he goes, it, it wasn't a film. It was, that was a documentary. Like we all just went down to, and then I had to tell him, I said, well, I was like really quick, you know, I, I was like, you know, last time I saw Quentin, uh, we had to order Casamigo's uh, tequila. And it was one of those weird technical like Sean, I don't know if you had this too. Zoom does this thing one time where if like sometimes and I know I know Gabe knows this happens because he tries to he does this a lot, where if two people are speaking at the same time, it like lowers someone's audio. Yeah. yeah. So I think he started spe- like responding in a funny way to my story about uh, drinking Casamigos with uh with, with Quentin. And I didn't really like because I think it lowered his audio. Yep. And so I so he gives this like great visual like response but I can't really uh. understand what he's saying and and then you uh. never want
4: to do the like what what
5: did what, you say, George
3: Clooney? I so
4: know. I just kind of laughed, and I was like, oh, it was damn good tequila, and then I moved on. Yeah, to yeah. to, to uh, talk about inside baseball, people say they like hearing this. It, what always bugs me about um, the way they do junkets is they use that they use that audio when they send it to us, mm-hmm. and so it's auto-mixed like that, but you can have a setting. When, we get, when I get to control it and, and do the Zoom, you can actually get their clean audio file in it. So that's why I'm always like, let me do it. Thanks a lot. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and this is why you do this a lot. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: No. I, so I, you can I,
4: fix it. They just don't. So.
0: That that did happen once or twice too in our, my conversation with him. Is that like he was saying something super charming? I was trying yeah. to keep the conversation moving, and I might have stepped right. on a, a really yeah. great George Clooney line. And thankfully, the don't, other don't one, you get there was another one right though? around the corner.
5: Oh yeah, they're they're fine. Don't you get nervous though? Because there there are some instances where, and I find this especially when you interview comedians. It's it's never a good idea to try to go totally, like to try to like keep up with them in terms of comedy. Like yeah. you're right. not going to be as funny as robin williams you're not gonna be as funny as steve carell if anything like like soft you know like, like give them the opportunity and then let them run with it <laughs> yeah um it's almost the same thing with george in terms of charm like don't don't try to be charming because you're because you're, if you're gonna if you're gonna try to be charming and george is gonna try to be charming one of oh. you's gonna lose, and it ain't gonna be George.
0: Talk about the way that your thing opened, because it—that was a perfect opening where you called him Mr. Clooney.
5: Oh, I, I just thought, hey, you know, Mr. Clooney, good to see you again. And he's like, don't, don't call me Mr. Clooney. That makes me feel old. And I was like, oh, George, my good pal George, how are you, George? And he kind of takes it He goes, yeah, don't call me that either.
0: <laughs> he just, he just, he doesn't miss. The dude doesn't. Some miss. people have it. Some yeah, have it. Yeah, he doesn't. Miss. That's the thing. He's so. Um, funny and personable mm-hmm. that that he should look homely right yeah. like you shouldn't get all th- all three across yeah. the board because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. if when you're so the interviews big, went
4: well i take it yeah you went very well, so. really yeah. well it, yeah, it went, very went very really early. well
0: and it's and and jake i'll mention this before we move on to it too like I, I i was really surprised at how nervous i was going into that room like my hands were actually shaking um and i have gotten myself to the point where i can really say like this is just another interview kind of thing with almost regardless who it is um but he had that effect i i really really wanted it to go well and then you and kevin went before i did like
5: significantly sooner before i did um and you both came out of it talking about how great it was Mm. and i i don't know if that made i think that made me more nervous Because then it puts the pressure on me, where it's like, well, like if I don't get if I don't get a good interview, then it's on me because 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 like if you two had not that I would have wanted this to happen, but if you two had come out of it and be like, oh, you know, he really wasn't that great, then I could be like all right, pressure's off. Like all I can do is go in there and be as good as I can. And if he's not feeling yeah. it today, he's not feeling it. But the fact that both of you came out and he was like, Oh, it's fantastic. Then I'm like, shit. Now, now, now I know if my interview's <laughs> not good, that that is entirely on me.
0: It's super healthy that we have this competitive nature too, about like, we all, we all want each other to do really well, but yeah. we also want to get in and, and crush our room. So that course. They, it's making me uh, better at this job. So I look forward to that. Uh, this week in movies. So have you seen all my life? The no. Jessica Roth film? I have not seen that.
5: No, I do love her though. I love her in the Happy Death Day films, and I really enjoyed her in the recently canceled Utopia.
0: We have a really good story on Cinema Blend that Sarah, who did the All My Life junket, um, asked about a freaky Happy Death Day crossover because they're both like Christopher Landon. Yeah, and Jessica Roth uh, seems like she had not been asked that at all because she gave a really great, gushy, long, like. This is why these two franchises need to cross paths, and I want my character and Catherine Newton's character yes! to be like solving crimes together. Like she, oh, I love that. <laughs> it was really good. So go check out that story on Cinema Blend. Um, Half Brothers, I, I I know of Half Brothers. I have not seen it. Are you? Have you seen? Did you get a chance to see that? I, I
5: know that. I mean, there wasn't a junket, and I didn't get the screener, and unfortunately, this... we are we are at that very busy time where if we don't get a screener or don't get a junket, it's tough to.
0: This week in particular feels like a a dump of titles, like a lot of stuff that's sort of coming out and and hitting uh, Godmothered is hitting uh, Disney Plus Mm -hmm. as well, too. And Mank is coming back around. We'll get to Mank in a second. But I want you to talk about Nomadland because you said you caught up with that. And we discussed it on an earlier episode because I had a chance to see it at the um, 919 Film Festival in Chapel Hill. I liked it a lot. Uh, I thought Francis McDormand was phenomenal in it, and I was really intrigued by the existence of this nomad culture, which I was not mm-hmm. familiar with at all. What was your take on it?
5: Uh, absolutely loved it. Um, really loved it a lot more once I kind of settled in. I don't know if accepted is the wrong, but just sort of sort of realized, like, oh, this isn't necessarily going to be a, like, for lack of a better phrase, like a, a plot-driven film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a snapshot of, of a way of life. Mm-hmm. Um, it almost feel like sh- like if you were to replace Francis with a lesser known actress, it would almost feel like a documentary. Yeah, like it kind of just feels like this camera is falling around really this slice of American life that I was entirely unfamiliar with. Yep. Um, I, I for me it hit a lot of emotional beats that documentaries normally do. Mm-hmm. Um, that are that are both like insightful and because I correct me if I'm wrong, a lot of the people in the film are people who are actually of that culture.
0: Yeah. They're nomads as well too. And that's why it's a little bit shocking because the only other actor of note, I believe is David Strathern. Yes. And he shows up later as a quote unquote love interest. Um, Mm. And it's, you're you're so immersed in you almost forget francis is francis right yeah. because she's yeah. spending so much time with the yeah. people in the nomadic culture that when he shows up it's a little jarring because you're like it oh, is r- oh yeah. right this is a feature yeah. film yeah, yeah i totally agree I, with you i, I had that I same almost wish
5: and I, and I like him but i almost wish that role hadn't been played by because yeah. you're exactly right because she disappears so much yep um and and has the ability to be able to do that because she's one of the best uh, so much so that when David shows up, you're like, "Oh, wait, that's a movie star. Dude, I know that guy."
0: Is Frances McDormand like the the? It's the least movie star performance you've ever seen. Like she's just
5: yeah. I mean, her hair uh, is,
0: is completely disheveled. She's frumpy. She's yeah. like, just traipsing along. Like
5: yeah, but but that's like you gotta have that. You gotta have. I mean, she she melts into the moment, man. Like she she that 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 she is not worried about uh you know. In any, any kind of like exterior element of her, she was worried about like what would this woman look like, and to me, right. that's exactly what that woman would look like under those circumstances.
0: Gabe, is this title on your radar? Are you familiar with it? Are you going out of your way to see it? Yes, yes.
4: I I, I love Francis McDormand, so I'm, I'm always excited he's in. Um, but I don't know when I'll be able to see it. It's it, did it pick up, did it get picked up by a streamer yet? No, like an Amazon. I think or they're
5: still
0: trying to get it into theaters, they would like to. Yeah, hold I know out it's for that.
4: limited this week, but so I don't know when I'll see it. Um, All right.
5: Uh, have you ever interviewed her, Sean?
0: No, I don't believe so.
5: Neither have I. She, I don't think she does traditional junkets. She doesn't seem like the junket type.
0: I'm trying to think if I got her at like a Toronto or something, but no, it doesn't ring a bell.
5: You didn't get her three for like three billboards?
0: No, uh, no. She did very select press for three
4: billboards. Yeah. She, when we went to, do you remember when we went to the Star Wars premiere? Yeah, huh? And you were unconvinced that she was sitting like three rows in front of us. Oh, yeah, that's right. I spent the entire <laughs> preamble that, before the premiere starts yeah. trying to explain to him. I was like, no, that's Francis McDormand. And all we could see was like the back of Honestly, her Honestly, I would not have thought she would have been at the Star Wars
0: premiere. And I would have been, been with like She Sean. was there
4: with, a, with like her son or someone. She was there with someone.
0: I think that was my argument of just like, no, she'd be Why with she be? Joel <laughs>
4: Cohen.
1: <laughs>
3: <What>? <laughs> she she doesn't
0: care about Rise of Skywalker. That was a truly bizarre premiere. Not to go too far off the tangent, in that like we were surrounded by an odd mix of mm-hmm. A to B level yeah. celebrities, directors, like a, a really strange dude, mix of people around you, us. In I don't know if we've
5: told it or or, or I don't know if it's worth a retell. Can you tell the story uh, of us getting into the Star Wars premiere and a certain boy band member who <laughs> <laughs> tried to use
0: his boy band staff? <laughs> that's
4: that's a that's a bonus episode. I think oh, is what we that's need to the have. Best, dude, Do you know? No any time? I think we've talked about it.
0: Do you know that but, I but yeah. I literally thought of that story today, and I haven't <laughs> thought really? of it. Yes, and I can't now. I want to think of what made me think of it, but I almost picked up the phone and texted you guys. But I'm AJ from Backstreet. <laughs> 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 Just know, I knew that you guys laugh, and then I didn't. But I can't think of why I thought of it. But I literally yeah. thought of that story today.
4: We'll have to do like a we'll have to do like a throwback memories oh. bonus oh, show. God. We can talk about oh. what I'll say is if you're ever concerned about you know. The health and well-being of people at a premiere the security is airtight yeah. <laughs>
0: yes
4: <laughs> that, that even the, the the fourth member of a 90s
5: formerly popular boy band can't sneak his way Try in.
0: as they might all right so nomadland uh noting for <laughs> I... limited release sound of metal uh is going to be on amazon prime another film that we've discussed uh, in previous episodes riz Ahmed uh, olivia coleman tremendous film absolutely worth checking out
4: yeah, mm-hmm. you, you got into it in uh, the last episode, if anyone's.
0: Olivia interested. Cook, what I say? Coleman? Coleman, yeah. I've said. Se- I- <laughs> <laughs> that would be a pretty good bit of stunt <laughs> casting as well, too. Olivia <laughs> Coleman in that one. Uh, but let's she's, get playing, into- she's playing Queen Elizabeth. Let's get into Mank. Yes. And we're going to uh, do this at a time when Kevin's not here, unfortunately, because I really want Kevin's feedback in this. Because I know Kevin did say in the um, Midnight Sky junket, we were talking to the Netflix people, and he has mentioned that he's watched Mank multiple times and so um because it's it it was in our preview content it's still just sitting there we're able to access it and um it's going to be available on netflix starting on december 4th so you'll have the ability to go back and anyone will be able to go back and check it out i have to say from this perspective i have tried to go back into that movie uh just once so far because as i said on the show i liked it Um, but I probably appreciated it more than really got hooked on it and so I thought okay well now that I know what it is I'm going to go into it and really uh, uh, approach it and start to see like how did Fincher bring this along and I got 20 minutes into it and I couldn't I couldn't go much further Um, it does not it's not a movie that I love I just and I don't know if it's the type of movie that I appreciate early and grow to love it I don't think I'm going to grow to love it I just don't think I'm going to
5: um, I think I lean more in your camp than yeah. I do in Kevin's. Um, you know, I, I kind of, I don't want to say I was disappointed after I watched it because I, I, I did like it, mm-hmm. but it was definitely one of those, like, where if you were to ask me what I liked about it, the first five things I would list to you would be technical achievement. Yep. Yep. Which shouldn't be the first things that you rattle off whenever you talk about what you love so much about a movie. Like, like the cinematography shouldn't be, the, you know. I mean, everything about it is top notch, you know. Like if you, you know, but the sum of the pieces, um, the the whole is not better than 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 the individual pieces. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I I I did I did rewatch it, and Kevin has talked about um, sort of putting it on in the background and kind of existing in that world. Mm -hmm. And when I think of that, I think of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That's what Mm -hmm. Once Upon a Time, Time in Hollywood is for me, where I can put it on in the background and just I love that that world like that's mm-hmm. like i just love having it on it makes me feel better um that's it what once upon a time in hollywood does for me is what Mank seems to do for kevin mm-hmm. um and i i like the whole golden age of hollywood i you know i um i just think it's a, i think it's a bit of a cold movie if i'm being honest with you yeah um and uh, and, and fincher makes cold movies i mean you know it's not like zodiac is you know the, the warmest hug of a cinematic feature but um i you know it I, I I think about it often, um, but I think one of the things I think about is how much I wish I liked it more than I did.
0: Well, and one element of it, when you're comparing it to Fincher's other films, is even his colder films have a character that you can latch onto and follow. Sure, sure. Um, and I didn't, in the 20 minutes that I tried to get back into Mank, I couldn't find that character, where I was like, well, at least I'm going to follow their arc. And it's meant mm-hmm. to be Gary Oldman's Character. It's supposed to be Herman Mankiewicz and it's whether it's the way that Oldman plays him, whether it's just the character, he's supposed to be the drunken, you know, disorderly, almost uh, smarter than everyone else in the room type character, which can be um, really fun to watch over the course of a film. If you see how they play off of certain people Mm -hmm. Um, or it can just be tiresome. Uh, and I think too often Mank, the character of Mank, just comes across as a little bit too tiresome. Um, yeah. And uh, listen, I, as we continue to go through the award season, I certainly will uh, try again, try again, but I shouldn't have to. It, exactly. it makes it feel like work. It makes it feel like, yeah. uh, you know, uh, uh, a labor. And, and yeah. I don't, it, and, it and also, breaks my you know, heart and to I, say that.
5: I know we're supposed to be judging movies for what they are and not what we wanted them to be. Sure, yeah. But in terms of what the movie is actually about, the last 15 minutes mm. of the movie, without getting into the spoilers, is what I wanted Mank to be about. Okay. There is a huge chunk of the film about, and I understand the influence that a particular uh, California gubernatorial race mm. had on Citizen Kane. I was more interested in the battle between Mank and orson wells i was really hoping that this would be more social network like mm-hmm. in terms of the fight about who gets credit you know the 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 agreed you know the the agreement in terms of like who who was going to write it who's going to you know um and and honestly i think that the what, what ended up being manx inspiration this this 1930s governor's race in california i just don't think is all that interesting Right, I think I think it yielded something interesting. Yeah, but I don't think the source of the inspiration is all that interesting.
0: Yeah, I have to agree, Gabe. Where are you at with it? I haven't seen Mike. No, I know, but just in terms of your interest levels, and oh, I'm very after interested. that,
5: are you interested in seeing? Yeah. It? No, have I mean, we, have we
0: ruined it for you? No, not at
4: all. I I never expected it to be um not that I guess in a way like I kind of assumed with the Fincher of it all and the fact that it's about the making of Citizen Kane, which mm-hmm. is like a is what it is i'm still as excited as i ever was in that i was never um i was never like head over heels this is my most you it was your most anticipated movie of the year it was but but it was never my oh, most you said anticipated. that you
5: said that at our meetup
4: yeah yeah yeah,
0: wow. yeah that's right yeah it is yeah. Fin- one Fincher of the few tackling
4: that subject can you imagine that yeah one of the few on that list that uh actually came out this year well kevin's was tenet? Tenet. was tenet tenet Mine that, I guess One Woman is going to work, and then it was it was Dune, and um, I think Top Gun made the top five list. Ah, oh,
0: that's right, it did. Yes, yeah. this year.
4: <laughs> year. We, but yeah, no, no, I'm I'm very excited. But it's it's I'm excited because of David Fincher, and that's kind of the
0: um the first time you saw Roma. Did you have to watch it on Netflix? or Did you get to go to a theater? I got to see it in a the theater. Yeah. Are you able to see Mank in a theater, or I... are the theaters closed by you?
4: Uh, I think some are open. Um, but I haven't. I don't haven't really been going. Okay, gotcha. So I haven't even checked. I was curious how it's gonna play. I'll watch it home.
0: I can't wait to hear your thoughts. Um, just like I can't wait to hear Jake's thoughts on the prom, which is also coming Uh to Netflix. Our last movie of the week, Jake. You texted us at the beginning and you said this is gonna make my top ten. I don't think I said that.
5: (laughs) No, (laughs) but I did text you at the beginning and say, okay, I'm kind of into this, and I was like, it's it's. Starts off with this really big, splashy number. It's honestly very well-directed. It's well-photographed. It's very colorful. It's, is Ryan you know, Murphy? It's is that who it is? Yeah, Ryan Murphy. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the cool thing about musicals is that you can kind of cut them like music videos. You know, you can cut to the beat of the music without it standing out too much. Um, It's long, dude. It's like two-plus hours, Um, which I think is heavy for... A, to me, that's heavy for a musical, Um, especially because I... Didn't like the music. I don't okay. think the music is good. Um, the, the, none of the songs were catchy to me. Like like whenever I'm watching a musical, a good one, every three or four songs, I should think in my head, oh, I need to remember the title of that because I want to download it later. There was there was nothing in prom where I was like, oh, that's a song I would like to download because I've got I've got musical and Broadway on my on my phone that I yeah. I, I, I like show tunes. Um, I but that cast. You know, it, I mean It's a stacked cast, uh, you know, but and you know, and and they give it their all, like yeah. because I I, I was kind of curious. I was like, how is Nicole Kidman gonna handle like like she you know because she's she's a pretty like you know self contained you know especially coming off the undoing which she's very internalized you know it's a completely different person um hmm. watching in, in this you know they sell it uh, I just it just didn't work for you know it didn't work for me everyone has the best of intentions a lot of the plot points just seem kind of dated okay um and and oversimplified uh the the plot basically revolves around uh fading broadway stars who find out that a prom in a small indiana town is being canceled Hmm. because one of the students wants to bring her girlfriend okay and so they take it upon themselves and think well if we go to this small indiana town and make make it our cause that it'll kind of boost our image and broadway will accept us again okay um Okay. All, all of all of the characters just seem like oversimplifications of of that idea. Okay. Um. And it doesn't dive much deeper. Other, you know, the the, the you know uh, the, the 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 PTA mother played by Carrie Washington, who doesn't want um a someone who is homosexual to go to the school prom. You know, it's very kind of the cliche, you know, like Karen esque type of character. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, it's just, it's, just, it's nothing beyond sort of that surface level of what you expect those characters to be.
0: Um, we started the Undoing last night. We watched oh, the so we watched oh, the first episode. Um, yeah. and it's great. It's off to a yeah. really good start. Not to not to detract from the prom. I'm really yeah. sorry, but you mentioned Nicole Kidman <laughs> and you mentioned yeah. that show, so it's worth sticking with. It's it's oh honey, so, well, it's only six episodes.
5: It's only six. Okay. Um, the 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 ending, and I mean this in, in in the most intriguing way, it splits people. I thought it was fantastic. I loved the ending. I loved really? the ending, and I have very specific reasons why. <laughs> i can't get into it okay um i know a lot of people were very disappointed by the ending so
0: i can tell you that going to sleep last night after watching it um michelle and i were already laying out like Mm -hmm. four theories yep and then i was like but it can't be that obvious like it's first episode like there's no way that what we're guessing now is what it is so i'm intrigued to sort of stick with it for that reason all right let's get to the blend game uh we are playing hashtag Angela Bassett blend. Not only is she part of uh, Disney Pixar's Soul, which is coming out, but she is a, a component in the Mission Impossible franchise. And if you have taken the time to look over her filmography, has been involved with some incredible, incredible films. Um, I'm gonna go first, and I wonder if it's gonna be all of our answers though. I cannot not pick Tina Turner. I mean, I have to pick. what's love got to do with it? What love got to do? With it? Yeah. Uh, it's just first. It's like one of those personalities where when you find out somebody's going to try to play that person you just say well good luck to you cuz you're not going to be able to do it kind of thing um Michelle Williams taking on uh um who is the blonde the blonde actress from uh, <laughs> I'm saying May West but it's not May West um from uh, uh Marilyn Monroe thank you very much oh, Michelle Okay Will- <laughs> Michelle Williams playing Marilyn Monroe uh you know anytime anyone tries to play Elvis convincingly yeah. Uh when you hear someone's gonna take on Tina Turner in the I Icon Tina Turner story, you're just like, All right, good luck. You know, have yeah. a good time. Uh, and and I thought Angela Bassett just destroyed it. And I hate to do that because it's such an it's early enough in her career that she's obviously accomplished so much more from that point on, but she was so devastatingly convincing as tina turner at a time when tina turner was still really prevalent in pop culture like Mm -hmm. you could turn on mtv and still get a heavy dose of tina turner and angela bassett i thought took over the the part made it hers absolutely owned the performance didn't shy away from the really difficult elements of that relationship uh and uh did she go on to win the oscar for for that
4: i don't think she got nominated
0: she got nominated but didn't win yeah I don't yeah. know who she was up against, but uh, she absolutely deserves to, uh, to a I'll one. i look. Yeah, I'd be curious. Um, so I, I had to go with What's Love Got to Do With It. Did you guys pick it as well? Jake, where'd you go?
5: Uh, I went uh, Waiting to Exhale.
0: Oh, you did? Okay. Uh,
5: yeah. I, um, weirdly enough, my sister uh, was a huge fan growing up. My sister's seven years older than I am. was a huge fan of like Angela Bassett and Whitney Houston. And, and uh, those of my, my sister loved The Bodyguard when it came out. Um, so she was very excited to see Waiting to Exhale and somehow, I got drugged along to go see it when I was, I think, like, seriously, like, 7 or 8. Okay. <laughs> Not a movie that, like, I wanted to go see. Um, and I wasn't I think I wasn't old enough to convince them to, like, let me go see something by myself. So they drug me to go see it. Um, I don't think it necessarily connected with me at that age, but I remember... Her, I remember. I remember because it kind of, you know, it kind of, you know, it's about this group of women who are all sort of go- going through different experiences. It mm-hmm. um, kind of jumps through, you know, alternates between their stories. I remember her story at least keeping my attention mm-hmm. while um, while I was watching it, and I've seen it since. And you know, she takes maybe not something that has necessarily happened to us, which is this idea of basically her husband coming to her and saying, "Like, I'm I'm leaving you for another woman," but just this sense of Security that so quickly turns to betrayal, mm-hmm. and how we think we would handle that versus how we would like to handle that, mm-hmm. and I think she perfectly kind of flirts in between, in which she handles it well, and then also lights his shit on fire in his car in the driveway. <laughs> and she which does is one really of the
0: most striking images,
5: great uh, image from almost any Great, film. great image, it's yeah. a wonderful image. Um, but she does it without us as an audience going like, oh, she went crazy. Like she does it in, in such a human grounded way where we go like, you know, maybe I'll do that too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, all yeah. right. Like, well, like, well done. And, you know, she that that character and this specifically that action could have been so like cliche of like going off the rails and like, I'm just going to burn everything you own. Yeah. But she does it It's such a like, all right, well done well done like like i don't know she 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 took something that i guarantee you wasn't as good on paper as it was when she brought it to life
0: yeah Gabe, where'd you go so
4: for these i always tend to track backwards to like some of my earlier influences that seems to always be what 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 interests me because you know i don't like the whole favorite thing it's hard for me to figure that out sure um and one looking over her filmography i realized how much of her work i haven't seen Mm -hmm. and i need to fill the holes in um but it brought me to Boys in the Hood mm. yeah. and it brought me to, yeah. and I kind of realized, and and I hadn't thought about it, but her, her role in that, um, one, it touched me personally because that the characterization kind of reminds, uh, reminds me of my mother mm. and growing up and I wasn't in that situation that Trey is in, but the, the, the sort of dynamic between the parents was very relatable. Um, And I never realized how much I connected with Angela Bassett as an actor with that specific role. Because moving forward, that sort of like commanding sense of authority and that everything she kind of brings to that uh, as Riva is Mm -hmm. kind of follows her through her career and gives her this sense of authority and all these other. Now she's in all these like, you know, franchise films, but she Mm -hmm. plays these she's, you know, leading Ethan Hunt or she's Black Panther's mother. And, you know, she's this, that and the other. And it's uh I never realized how much that early role, just like being able to see an actor in a, in a certain light and that just sort of, they do it so well and it hits you so right that it just kind of informs everything else they do in a lot of ways. Yeah. yeah. Um, so for me, that was, that was a notable, uh, notable role of hers.
0: And I know we talked about this, I think just last week. Um, she's one of the best junket interviews. Oh God,
4: she's I got you Yeah, you did mention
0: that. She's great. And, and it's hard to even pinpoint what it is about her. Like she's, She's a tremendous conversationalist yeah
1: uh, and, yeah.
0: and I've, I''ve I've gotten to interview her four or five times and she's never not fully on you know yeah. like and sometimes I've even gotten her at the end of it like one time I got her at the end of a really long day and when I walked in she had kicked her shoes off and she was like massaging her feet. And she was like, I'm so sorry, but it's just, it's, and I said, please make yourself as comfortable as possible. And she literally did the interview, like with her shoes off and just laid back. But it was one of the best, like we just went right into the conversation and she never dropped the ball and just, we, she's, she's phenomenal. So I, the, I love anytime we get a chance to spend time with her.
5: When we were all in uh, Paris for the last Mission Impossible film. Yeah. Um, which is just a wild way to start a conversation. Yeah. Um,
4: so the last time, <laughs> I yeah, was, the last time we were in Paris, Me um, <laughs> and Tom Cruise were before uh, I met with Tom. Yeah, yeah. before
5: I met with, with uh, TC. Um, I, <laughs> I I don't know if you remember, Sean. I ended up coming in a day late because yeah. I, my flight into, uh, out of Chicago got messed up, so my entire schedule got shifted. Um, I ended up seeing the movie. Uh, I think you guys ended up like you guys had a free day that I did not have. I just yes. I saw the movie like right after I landed. Um, and then did the interviews on the international day. So you guys were yes. already done with your interviews, and I did the interviews on the international day. Yep. So whenever I was going in all these rooms, you know, they were hearing, you know, like, uh, you know, this reporter from Belgium, this reporter from Germany, this reporter from Spain, and Jake from Chicago. Uh, and so I think like maybe they had told them, told at least some of them, uh, oh, like we're, we got fit in this kid from Chicago. So whenever I walked in the room, she was like, "You're the one who had the flight." And I was uh, like, yeah. And, and, and to like, <laughs> she just watched like, what, well, what happened? Like, are, aren't you so exhausted? Like, yeah. when did you see the movie? Oh my God. Like, are you like, 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 I she, and she was even said like, like, okay, like, I'll, like you must be exhausted. Like I'm going to step it up. Like I'll, I'll make sure, don't worry. I'll make sure. Like if you're, if you're, if you just need to ask me generic questions, don't worry. Yeah. I'm going to give you good. Like the fact that she cared enough to yeah. say like. Oh my God! You've gone through hell these last thirty-six hours. Yeah. Don't worry. Like, like I'm going to give you a good interview. Don't worry about this. I just, I, I will always remember that. Do you know what's amazing? So sweet.
0: There are there's a, there's a certain faction of of people who still understand that it's a show. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. That that hey, we are here to kind of put yeah. on something that's that might have some artificiality to it. But yeah. I'm going to step up and really and yeah. really bring it and deliver for you to be able to have that that component later. Yeah. We interviewed um Aubrey Plaza on the um. On the website this week on Cinema Blend for a show a movie she's got coming out called Black Bear, yeah. Uh, and at the end of it, I had Jeff Macab um, uh, ask whether she is interested in parlaying her uh, gig at the IFC uh, Awards into the Independent Spirit Awards into an Oscar uh, hosting gig, and she was like, clearly, I'm this generation's Billy Crystal, you know, in her <laughs> in her deadpan fashion. But she went on to say. Um, No for real like growing up I had a real um affinity for those 90s Academy Awards telecasts where uh, you know you'd have uh, Whoopi Goldberg on cables you know swooping down across the stage and she was like now that Oscar telecast is just like we don't have a host and just talking to the teleprompter and she's like. That needs to be a show, you know. I she's agree. like, we are that. show business, and and when she said it, I was like, guy, we did, we really, yeah. we've forgotten that as the yeah. Oscars. Remember, remember
5: those those openings? Yeah, she's right. When Whoopi, would, and then when Billy Crystal always inserted himself in all of the, like, yes. the classic movies and stuff. Yeah. And yeah. you know, I I uh, she didn't say this to me, but I I heard a story sometime where someone asked Meryl Streep about being such a great interview, and if you've never interviewed, like Meryl Streep is almost in that that Clooney category where she's yeah. so good, like you can't mess up an interview with Meryl Streep. And someone asked her about being so good, Mm. and her answer was, "I'm an actress, and I so I all day I play someone who is a good interview." And I kind (laughs) of thought like, "Okay, cool, like (laughs) that that would work for me. I don't care if it's not." Everyone's
4: been nominated for thirty something Oscars. Sure, that's pretty funny. That's a pretty good (laughs) answer. By the way, Angela Bassett lost to Holly Hunter in The
0: Piano that's such all an right. oscar movie Which i haven't okay. seen the piano eh, fair enough oscar. no she, she's she's phenomenal in it, though she is really good okay uh she's michelle good. garrist billy rose uh, nick alexander they all went with uh what's love got to do with it rachel kh said waiting to exhale uh we want to thank everybody who participated in this week's blend game for next week we're going to be playing what's that game did you...
4: i was gonna say <laughs> yes. i don't know if hashtag if it happens right now let's throw it to kevin's pick because uh, mm. he hasn't sent it to me yet. So
0: hashtag if it happens. Good idea. Hey, Kev, who'd you pick for Angela Bassett?
2: Hey, fellas. Uh, yeah, I'm on vacation this week. I wanted to say uh, thank you for Gabe for filling in. Uh, but I don't even consider Gabe filling in uh, an, an abnormal uh, element. Gabe is, a, is the fourth person on our show. So Gabe was just filling that third chair. Uh, but the show has always been four people for me. So But thank you for Gabe for... Uh, for being uh, for filling in for my part of it uh, this week, but uh, yeah, I wanted to uh, contribute to Angela Bassett blend, and this is going to be interesting because I was thinking about her career and all the characters that she's played, and for me, uh, two movies came to mind only because I found it interesting that in such a large ensemble uh, in these films and and the big budget nature of these films, that supporting characters are just as important as the leading characters, and when you have an actor like Angela Bassett who can command an intensity on screen like she can um, I think that really is a is an important quality as an actor especially in a, a gigantic budget film so the first movie I'm going to mention is Mission Impossible Fallout um and I specifically remember seeing that scene for the first time where her character is talking to Alec Baldwin you have Henry Cavill in the background it looks like they're kind of more like an airplane tarmac or like a, a, a runway of some sorts And she says this line about, that's the job. The way she explains what the job is, what they're doing. And I just remember that line being such an intense line because it really stuck out for me. When I looked back at the film, I remember interviewing Angela Bassett on the red carpet for that movie. And that was the scene that I brought up to her because I was was just so incredibly uh, blown away by the impact that scene had on me considering the nature of how large the production of Mission Impossible Fallout really is. Her character had such an authority... To her, that it really became, in my opinion, just as important as the leading characters in the film. Her presence was in the film no matter what. And I thought she was incredibly, incredibly well done um, in regards to, from a performance standpoint, in that scene, but in general, from that character. So I found that to be such an incredible performance. I know it's relatively new, it's not a leading performance, but it stuck out to me. The second one's Black Panther. And again, gigantic budget, gigantic. Uh, Marvel film, where you have multiple actors, tons of huge stars. I mean, Angela Bassett's a massive star in herself, but to leave an impact on a character that is a supporting character that we aren't with the, with the entire time or experiencing the story with the entire time, to me, when you leave a mark like that on a character or a movie, you've done something special. And, I, and that's what I think Angela Bassett has always been able to do with her performances. But those two particularly were the ones that really stood out to me only because I remember... You know, within the two and a half hour frame of whatever the movie was, and all the things that happened from a storytelling standpoint, the big stunts that happened in Mission Impossible Fallout, to whatever the costumes and and, and makeup design were for Black Panther. It's just amazing to me that those two, that her two characters from the, from each film, uh, one character in each film, obviously uh, just made an impact on me. I just th- that's the job line in Mission Impossible: Fallout is probably the one that pushes that to the uh, to my favorite of hers. Only because again, I know it's a smaller role, but it was an impactful role. I mean, it's the same reason why people argue that you know Anthony Hopkins or Anthony Hopkins is in. Uh, Silence of the Lambs for 16 minutes he still had an impact in that whole movie even though he was considered the lead of the film um, and I think that if you as a supporting actor in a film that large like Black Panther, Mission Impossible, Fallout if you can leave an impact uh, I think that you've done something incredibly special so my Angela Bassett blend pick ultimately would be Mission Impossible, Fallout but I'm going to slide in uh, Black Panther as well only because I find them to be very interesting from a big budget perspective. Alright guys m- miss you and love
0: you guys. Uh, so inspired Thanks, by our George Clooney conversation for next week, we're <laughs> going to be playing. Ha- OK, so this is a mouthful, m- a mouthful, but it'll be hashtag actor turned director blend. So this is someone who is uh, currently a director that we appreciate. We're going to be talking about their directorial skills, but they started their career as an actor. So Larry Ron Howard would qualify. Tom Hanks would qualify. George Clooney would qualify. Someone along those lines. Um, and, I, so, and I mentioned
4: before we started that I was really bummed that we don't have the second Olivia Wilde movie because I really like Booksmart, but I yeah. feel like her second movie is yeah. going to be the one where I'm like, sh- yeah. now she's Clint Eastwood, Clint Eastwood. really solid.
0: Clint Eastwood, uh, Clint Eastwood is mm-hmm. another person along those lines. Jodie so Foster. Jody Foster is yeah. a solid director. Yeah. So, um, so be thinking about actors turned directors, which one that you really appreciate, and tweet us at actor hashtag actor turned record blend <laughs> there you go send us your email pics at real and that is where you can also send us a review and so this week we have a review from sylvia breto who writes dear sean Kevin, Jake and Gabe, I discovered the podcast more than a year ago now. And since then, my watch list on IMDb has almost doubled. So I guess thank you. I'm a loyal listener, but a first time reviewer. I live in a small town in Italy and I don't go to the movie theater very often. That's because this is is George Clooney. If I were near Lake Como, that's because if I were to go see a movie, I would only find it dubbed in Italian, and I believe it may be a common obstacle for many movie fans who live in countries where the industry dubs every single movie by default. After so many years watching movies in their original language, when you catch a dubbed one, it is very strange. It feels like you were watching Sir Anthony Hopkins star in a very bad soap opera with a hint of a cartoon. Yes, we grew up with Disney cartoons where the mouths did not once move like the words that they were saying. I have nothing but respect for the actors who dub other great actors, but I always remember an interview I saw years ago by an Italian TV reporter to Sir Ian McKellen when the first Lord of the Rings came out. After answering a question so eloquently, explaining the process he went through to find Gandalf's voice. Does he have a strong voice, a low voice, etc.? The reporter asked, well, and so what do you think of our Italian actor who dubs you in the movie? He was so shocked. He almost fell off the chair and I wanted to hit the reporter on the screen with a shoe. So I <laughs> wanted to thank you all, Sean, Kevin, Jake, and Gabe for sharing with us your passion for movies and of making and the making of movies. Kevin, I promise next time I'll be abroad and near an I'm. Theater, I will go and see whatever they are showing. I love listening to your stories, your opinions, and your friendly banter, even if I'm always just a tiny little bit jealous. Well, us name-dropping George Clooney on this week's <laughs> episode multiple times. It doesn't help, work, help assholes. that assholes. Oh, he might know George. He's in he's in Italy. Right. Maybe they're neighbors, for all we know. Yeah. Uh, you have a few Italian fans, at least all the friends I told about the podcast, with my best wishes to you all and a soft scratch behind the ears to Oh, that is, hey, fantastic. That is a fantastic review. Thank well, you, sir. That's, that's
5: one of the best ones we've had in a long time. Really I appreciate it. Uh, we don't always
0: get great stories like that. Yeah, it's a fantastic. Story. That is a really good one. Um, so please send those reviews all the way over and your and your uh, anecdotes. We love anecdotes. Uh, so for our next week's uh, our next premium episode, which we're going to record right after this, as we mentioned, the status of the movie star. Uh, do they still exist? Which ones are we still investing in? What has happened to them? Can they ever come back? These are some of the topics that I assume we're going to cover in the premium episode. And until then, you can follow us on social media uh, at Jake's Takes, at Kevin McCarthy TV and at Sean underscore O'Connell. Follow the show at Real Blender, where we post our weekly polls. And we'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Until then.
5: Leatherheads.
1: Yeah, that works. That's fine.
5: George, please come on the show.